If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. For the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you in your tithes and contributions? You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine and the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Well, I just want to go ahead and um, just address um, the disappointment I'm sure you all feel. Um, You heard that there was a worship leader switching, and you were hoping there was a preacher switching. But there is a... Sorry. It's me. Um, well, we are going to uh, finish our series in Malachi this morning, um, where we've been uh, paying a, a special attention to the barriers to renewal that Malachi is pointing out to his readers. And what we've learned so far is, is that God is wanting to flood our lives with blessings. It's one of the key ideas um, in this book, this last book of the Old Testament. Uh, and actually, uh, through the scriptures, uh, God tells us how we can receive this blessing. It's, he's made a covenant with us, and it's a covenant, uh, a blessing, but it's through our, our disobedience, through our refusing to do what God asks us to do, uh, that we put up a barrier to this blessing. We put up a, a barrier to these renewals. So the first week, um, we addressed uh, what Malachi brought up as the barrier of careless worship, which ties a little bit into today. Uh, the second week, we looked at the, the, uh, having a low regard for relationships generally and marriage specifically. And then last week, we looked at injustice. And there was two groupings of injustice that Malachi brought up to us. One was moral injustice, sorcery, he mentioned, d- adultery and lying specifically. And then he talked about uh, social injustice, the poor, widows and orphans, immigrants and refugees. Um, and the challenge from us that we kind of received from this passage was that it's easy for us to value moral justice at the expense of social justice. And for some of us, it's easy, we may value social justice for the, at the expense of 
of moral justice. And so, um, especially in this time period, what, you know, well, it doesn't really matter that we're in this election season. I think all the time it's just politically charged and, and things are continuing just to get more and more and more divided. And if we're not careful, um, and we'll end up following our politicians to the point to where uh, we're missing out on God's justice. God's, God's justice is complete. Uh, it's, it's bigger uh, than any government. It's bigger than any, any party. And uh, we have to, to guard our hearts. But the issue isn't so much how we vote. The issue isn't so much you know, what we like on Facebook. The real issue is what are we doing with our lives? Are we active in our um, injustice? In, in and, and this uh, season, uh, we're going to, uh, I just want to encourage you to pay attention to what we're doing as a church uh, uh, to fight against injustice. And one of the big things that we do is we re- receive a benevolence offering every year at Christmas time. Uh, and that goes toward uh, a lot of our justice efforts throughout the year. So uh, make mention of that. And here in a couple of weeks, um, we have an, um, a church-wide in all of our locations, all of our campuses, uh, an Adoption Sunday where we're celebrating or we're, we're shedding light on, uh, on adoption and uh, as well as uh, being foster parents. And so that shed, shedding light on what we're doing. And there may be opportunities or there may be little ways and big ways where you would want to jump in on that to, to say, yeah, I want to I uh, tackle uh, injustice in this way. And this final week, um, we're going to talk about uh, the passage of Malachi that's probably the only passage in Malachi that you know. Right, so when that was read, that was like you thought that's all Malachi was, and you've maybe heard tons of messages about it. If not, uh, that's okay. Uh, but my hope, though, is I want to bring out a new element to this passage that maybe you haven't thought of before, because uh, this passage um, it gets referred to as like the giving passage. But if when you, when we read that, you may have noticed that there wasn't one mention of giving, but there were several mentions of blessing. Uh, because again, uh, I don't know if I would have saw this outside of just looking at the entire context of Malachi like we've been doing, but Malachi, again, is a prophetic message about God's desire to bless us in our barriers that we put up to God uh, to bless us. And so Malachi 3 is no different. And so when God says in Malachi, you are robbing me of tithes, I don't think God's point is that you're robbing him of money. Like, I don't, think, I don't think God needs our money. Hey, any, do you think God needs our money? No, he doesn't need our money. That's right. He doesn't. <laughs> Out of the mouth of babes. <laughs> Psalm 50. Finally, a little participation. <laughs> the adults are all there. I'm so nervous to answer. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. This is God saying this. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world in its fullness are mine. So God owns uh, the, th- the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the cattle on the hills. Do I, not eat the f- do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Basically saying, when you're coming and you're giving, because they would give animals as a sacrifice, am I, am I, like eating, the, am I eating this, this, this food? Is this for me? It's not for him. Here's what I think God is saying. God is not saying, hey, I'm short on cash. Would you give me some money? You know, I like the, I like the, you know, the, I need to repave my driveway of gold. And like, you know, could you send some donations? Here's what he, I think God's saying. He says, don't rob me of an opportunity to bless you. 
I would like to bless you, uh, but you, I, I would like to open up the windows of heaven. I would like to, I'd like to support down blessing in your life, but, but you won't let me. I, I want to rebuke the devourer, this, this, this thing in your life that's just siphoning off time, energy, and money. And I think we, get, we go through seasons where we feel that way. I want to rebuke that force in your life. I want to bring blessing in your life, but you won't let me because you won't make me first. You're not trusting in my provision. You are withholding this tithe and therefore robbing me. You know, some people think, well, this is, you know, you're just doing this so that the church would be well-funded. God is not, God did not set up the tithes to fund his church. He doesn't need our money. He can get a raven to do that. He can, he can get water to come out of a rock. He could get manna and quail to fall from uh, the sky just at the right time. You know, when Jesus went into Jerusalem, the Pharisees wanted the, the shouting and the worshiping to stop. And, and Jesus said, you know what? The rocks and the trees will cry out. God doesn't need this. Now, he, he invites us to participate uh, in because money that we give to the church, it does bless the church, it does advance his kingdom. Um, but that, and again, is just blessing, more blessing to us because he wants to invite us into what he's doing. He makes what we do matter. He makes our serving matter. He makes our giving matter. But this isn't so the islanders could hear the gospel. Like if we don't do it, it's not gonna happen. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need what your money, but it's withholding it Keeping a tight fist toward God keep, makes it impossible for him to give you. It's similar uh, to the Sabbath. You know, Jesus said that man was not created for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was created for man. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, look, you know, I, I, the, this, you set aside this day of the week to demonstrate my sufficiency. So all the other nations of the world work seven days. You're going to work six days to show that you don't need to do seven. You're gonna, I'm gonna fill the gap. And, and tithing has a similar tone to it. Like you're gonna demonstrate, this is for you. This is, this is a blessing to you. And so that's what he says. So in verse 10, he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, the local church, so there may be food in my house. Again, this isn't talking about, so you know he has food or someone else. This is, this is actually like spiritual food. This is so that you would get built up. You know, like the church ministry, it's for people, but it, it builds us up. Like we get something out of this. Now, don't tell the IRS this because the IRS, for your money to be tax deductible, you're supposed to say that you don't get any tangible thing in return. But the reality is when we give, like you actually bless the house of God. And when you bless the house of God, you are blessed in that. But he wants to even go beyond that. He says, he says, put me to the test if I will not open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no need. Just test me on this. Just, just watch and see what I do. That if you open your hands to me, if you open your heart, open your life, just see how I'll bless you. I remember the very first time I took him up on this, November 1999. I started out at, as, a, as a stockbroker. Um, I didn't have much stock, but I was broker. And so we... <laughs> And um, sorry, you know, there's pastor jokes, there's dad jokes, there's even stockbroker jokes. And so it's been a while since I told that one. So we, um, um, and so I may, for those who are in that kind of, you know, starting a new business, you know, it's hard. And so I, I remember that November, I, uh, I was, 
even before that, I just hadn't made very much. And I made $1,500 that month and I wrote a, a $150 check. I remember just like the agony because I, 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 didn't, I didn't know where provision was going to come from. Uh, I spent more than that, which is another thing I shouldn't have done. But anyway, I, 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 but I, I just remember sitting over this. It's kind of like, you know, you know you need surgery. Like, you know it's going to do you good. Like, I know I'm supposed to do it, but it didn't like, it wasn't like, it wasn't like a happy thing. You know, I wasn't like, you know, wasn't, ha- wasn't happy about it. But I, I, but I was like, no, that's what I need to do. And I, and I, and I gave, and it was the hardest, it was one of the hardest things I've ever did. I mean, it was really difficult. But as soon as I gave that, I mean, it just started. I mean, just like blessing from heaven, all different kinds of, I mean, financial blessing. I mean, the next, the next month, um, you know, my income like tripled and it never looked back. It just kept going up until I became a pastor and then it went down. But anyway, <laughs> it just kept going up. And, um, but it wasn't just that. I mean, it's just the, my, my relationship with God. You know, like if you're, if you're married or you're just someone that you're really close to, you'll go th- through seasons where you'll say something like, I just feel like there's something between us. You know, you, you love watching the TV more than, than me. You, you love this more than me. You spend more time doing this. And there's like, there's something between. This is what God is saying. There's like something between us. And I, and I want to come near. I want to bless. I want to relate, but you won't let me. There's this thing in between us is what he's saying to us. See that I would not pour blessing. I mean, Jesus talks about this in, in uh, Luke 6. Um, he says, given will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So this idea like, man, when you give to him, uh, when you give to God and others, man, he's going to pour blessing back into your life. And you're like, well, maybe I get all that. But what's all this pressed down, shaken together and running over business? You know, what is that talking about? Well, this was a, a, a society built primarily around agriculture and, uh, you know, you, you either own the land or you work the land. And those who work the land, um, they would have to carry these big baskets uh, back and forth, the grain at harvest season. And if you were smart, you would only fill it like halfway so it wouldn't be so heavy. You know what I'm saying? Like you just, you know, you wouldn't like want to crush yourself. So you'd fill it halfway. But, 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 but the very last, how you got paid primarily, the very last bucket, basket or whatever it was that you took uh, was yours. That was your pay. So whatever, however you filled that bucket, that's what your pay was. Now, how full do you feel, think you filled that one? It's kind of like with my kids. Like, you know, we always, you know, you'll tell them something vague, like, like, can we have ice cream? Yeah, you can have one bowl of ice cream. A bowl, they, they, they press it down, shake it together, you know, get as much ice cream into that until it's like running over into their lap and they missed a point. But that's the kind of thing that God wants to do in your life. That when you give, he's going to give you not just like a half full bucket, but he's going to give you one of those. Or the, it's just going to, your life is going to be overflowing. He wants to bless you, but you won't let him. And then it goes on in that text. He says it in Malachi, he says that he wants to rebuke the devourer. Now, what's that say? Can you read that? What's that say? There you go, brother. This, is, this isn't for God. This is for you. He wants to do this for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil 
and your wine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will call you. He wants to bless you. He's not trying to get something from you. He wants to bless you. He's trying to. You just won't let him. For the Lord, you'll be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. You know, sometimes we think of God as some like old, angry white guy in the sky, just arbitrarily commanding us to do things. And apparently he's not very good at managing money because he's always asking me for stuff. But what if, what if it was really true that God was the most valuable treasure? And what if he loved us so much that all of his commands were to get something to us and not to take something from us? What if that were true? Now listen, God, the, Bible, the Bible isn't saying that you give to get. I realize that I'm dancing that line and, and there is a theology that kind of treats God like a vending machine. You put in one coin, you get 10 back. That's not what's being said here. It, what's saying is that if you, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you make him first, if you make him the priority in your financial world, because he knows that whatever's the priority in your financial world is the priority in your world, that he'll bless you. And what blessing is, is whatever comes from God. If God gives you $10,000, he wants to bless you with $10,000. If he wants to take $10,000, he wants to bless you by taking that 10,000. Whatever God does is a blessing. Whatever he does, he knows exactly what you need, when you need it, how you need it. And anytime he says no to something we want, it's a blessing. Every time he says yes to something we don't want, it's a blessing. And by the way, sometimes <laughs> happens every once in a while, like what we do want is, is blessing. He wants to bless us. Psalm uh, fifty fourteen says, on the day, call, me, call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. So this isn't some man-centered like we need, you know, God's all about blessing me and that, you know, he's, I'm the center of his world. That's not true. What he's saying, though, is that as we depend on him in our day of trouble, in our time of need, if we look to him as the deliverer, he's our savior, he's the one, that glorifies him. When we look to him and say, God, I'm going to take you at your word, and you say you'll take care of me, and you say you'll bless me, that, and we depend on that, and we demonstrate it with how we handle our money, that brings him glory. So it talks about the tithe. What is a tithe? Well, it's the, the, that word tithe means a tenth or 10%, but it's not just 10% generally. It's the first 10%. It, it's this idea that you'll see all through scripture from Genesis to Revelation, this idea that God uh, must be first. And this is really important when it comes to giving because the, the priority is actually a bigger deal than percentage. Let me show you this. The Lord said to Moses, consecrate, which means set apart, just like this is mine, to, uh, to me all the firstborn, whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast is mine. I wish I could communicate to you how strong in the Hebrew that phrase is, is mine. This is his, it's, 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 this is the way it's supposed to be. Uh, skip down to verse 13, or 12, I should say, you shall set apart to the Lord all that the all that first opens the womb, all the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. Every firstborn, this is really important. I know it doesn't seem like important, but it really is. Every firstborn of every donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. 
or if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. Basically saying, if you don't give it to God, it's, you're gonna, he's going to take it away anyway. Every firstborn of man among your sons shall be redeemed. The firstborn, here's what's really important. The firstborn, he's saying, it either needs to be sacrificed or redeemed. It needs to be sacrificed or redeemed. Well, how do you know if it's to be sacrificed or if it should be redeemed? Well, Moses gives us two animals, the donkey and the sheep, the lamb, that are, that are examples of two categories of animals. The donkey represents unclean animals. The sheep or the lamb represents clean animals. Among all the clean animals, this is important, the firstborn must be sacrificed. Clean animals must be sacrificed. Among all unclean animals, the firstborn must be redeemed by sacrificing a clean animal. So if it's a clean firstborn, it must be sacrificed. If it is a unclean animal, it must be redeemed by the sacrifice of a clean animal. How in the world (laughs) does this relate to us? Okay, let me ask you a couple questions. When you were born, were you born spiritually clean or unclean? Unclean. That's right. The Bible says that we were not, uh, that we do not just choose to sin. We have a nature of sin, that we were by nature children of wrath. And all we have to do is ask the experts in the room, the parents, that they know that. They just know that we're born into disobedience. We're not born into obedience. We have to be taught obedience. So we are born unclean. Jesus on a quiet night in Bethlehem, was he born spiritually clean or unclean? Clean. So there was one. None none of us are righteous. None of us are born clean. We're all born unclean. He's the one who was born clean. So listen to me very carefully. The clean must be sacrificed so that the unclean can be redeemed. That's what we just read. And that's how important this principle is, that in the gospel, God gave to us Jesus first. So the, the firstborn redeems all of us. The, the, the firstborn clean redeems all of us, the unclean, and he gave him first. He did not, the, the, Jesus did not go to the cross when we said we were sorry, He did not go to the cross when we repented. He did not go to the cross when we finally cleaned ourselves up. He went to the cross while we were spitting on him, while we were mocking him, while we crucified him to the cross. Romans says it this way, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He gave us, God gave his son first, his firstborn first, before he knew, before we came to repentance. It's why when we give, we must give of our first. The, the issue is of priority. So what the Bible doesn't say, is it doesn't say like, hey, when you have 10 sheep, 
you know, you could, you know, give, give one to me, give 10% to me. And it could be any issue. You know, if you, the one that you don't like, that's always like running in the garden, eating your stuff. Like, give me that one. That's fine. No, he says, give me the firstborn before you know that there's a second, much less a 10th. I'll take the first. The first is mine. And the reason why is because it doesn't take faith to give the 10th. It takes faith, faith to give the first. And there's nothing magical about the percentage. What, what enacts blessing isn't that, ding, I hit the percentage. What, what enacts blessing in your life is the faith that you have, that God will provide before you even know. And, and it's the first that redeems the rest. So like, don't give the first of what you get. So every paycheck, you have an opportunity. What's for, don't give the first of what you have to the mortgage company. The mortgage company the, the can't, do, can't bless your finances. It can't bless your life. The first belongs to God. That's why when they went into uh, Jericho, when they're going into the promised land. If you read that in, in, um, in Joshua 6, it's, uh, God says, hey, when you go into Jericho, all the silver and gold is mine. Like, whoa, whoa, time out here. I thought, what happened to 10%? Like, we, you know, what, I thought that was the deal. I thought the deal was 10%. He's like, no, the deal is, is first. And this is the first city. I get the first city and it redeems the rest. That's what happened with Cain and Abel. Let's read that in Genesis 4. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering when he got around to it. And Abel brought the first of his flock. The Lord had regard for Abel but he had no regard for Cain. Like, what's the, you know, God, why, you know, what, come on, give the guy a break. You know, he's, you know, can we get an A for effort here? Like, and um, it wasn't just that God won't, it's that God couldn't. And when it comes to, you know, we're reading this in Malachi, it's not like, hey, if God wants to bless me, why does it require me to give my first and best? Why does it require me? Why, well, it's not that God just, you know, if he, if he wants to, why didn't why he just do it? Because well, it's not that he won't, it's not that he can't. See, God, there, there are things that God can't do. God can't act outside of his nature and character. And, and let me explain that. So God, God can't think like you and I think. God is omniscient. He's omniscience. He's all science knowledge. He's all knowing. He's all knowing. He, he, he does, you know, you and I think to figure things out. Like you're trying to figure out, what in the heck is he saying? Like you're trying to figure that out. God knows. He knows. He has all knowledge. He doesn't, he doesn't figure things out. Nothing ever occurs to him. He just, he knows. He can't, he can't think like we think. He can't do it. He can't act outside his nature and character. He can't change. He has immutability. He can't, he can't get better because he's already best. He's already perfect. He can't change. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. He's, he can't do that. Here's the other thing he can't be. He can't be second. It's called preeminence. It's not that he's just first. He's before all things. He's preeminent. He can't act outside of his nature and character. He can't bless you if you make him second, third, fourth, or fifth. He can only bless you if you make him first. Now, let me just say something. It's real quick. 
Just because you don't treat him first doesn't mean he, <laughs> he's not still first. You know, you don't move him, he moves you. But he can't, he can't, he can't bless sin. He can't bless you if you don't make him first. He says, I want to move in your direction. If you would return to me, I would return to you. I want to bless you. I need to, I want to do this, but you won't let me. You're robbing me of an opportunity to bless you because you're withholding this from me. God does not force his way into our lives. The picture of Revelation 3 isn't of a SWAT team knocking down a door to come get stuff from us. It's a picture of him knocking on the door, waiting for us to come. And he's waiting for you. He won't force his way into your life. He's to be, he's, he's waiting for you to make him first, gently knocking. Second Chronicles 69 says, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Fully committed. To, he's not after our money, but he's after our hearts. I mean, it's his anyway, right? Like it's, it's all his. And if, in fact, this is a little bit of a side note. If you notice in all the stuff that we've read, like not once does it say to give. It never says in the scriptures to give God tithe. It only says return. Here's two, the, biblically, you can only do two things with it. You can either return it or you can steal it. He's saying it's all his anyway. He's, want, he's not after it. If he wanted it, he could just take it from you. If, you, if that's his thing. If his thing was the, the, thing, the money, he could just take it from you. He's not after that. He's after your heart. He wants to, he wants to move in your direction. In fact, Jesus, you know, he, come, he, he encounters the woman at the well in John 4. And she's desperate. She's like, she's like looking for significance and security in sex and in different things. And Jesus says to her, if you only knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, you would, you would trust me. That's what he's saying over so. If you only, that's what he's saying through Malachi. If you only knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying it to you, if you only knew who God was, if you only knew what God wanted to do in your life, he's wanting to pour down blessing in your life, but we don't let him when we withhold this from him. I want to end with this uh, verse and a, a little story, and then we'll close here. Uh, Exodus 13, we, we mentioned this earlier, but I, I didn't um, finish it here. It says, there's going to be a day where your son's going to come ask you, what does this mean, talking about giving God the firstborn? You shall say to him, by a strong hand, the Lord brought you out of Egypt from the house of slavery. For when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of animals. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all the males that first opened the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. It shall be a mark on your head, or frontlets between your eyes, for by a strong hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt. Here's what um, he's saying. If you can imagine um, a rancher in Israel, post being delivered from Egypt, and this rancher um, has a son, the son grows up, and he becomes of age, and he wants to include him in the family business, the ranching business. So he comes to his son and says, son, I want you to take the books. 
son says, okay, I can do this. I'll take the books. And so the son begins to pour over the books. He's very diligent in this. You know, he's a new college grad and he's like really wanting to cut his teeth. And he looks, he's like, and he notices some, he notices something about the books that seems a little off. And so he goes to his dad and he's like, dad, I don't mean to accuse you of anything, but like, I noticed something kind of strange about our books. He's like, what is that, son? He's like, well, you know, I'm not trying to accuse you of anything, but like, it just, every time there's a firstborn animal, how do I say this? You kill it. Um, why do you, it's, you know, in fact, I'm looking at the books and you've killed 72 animals this year. You know, that's kind of cutting into our profits. Why are you doing this? The rancher would say, so I need to tell you something about your mom and I. You see, son, I wasn't always a rancher. I once was a slave. And from sunup to sundown, I made bricks. And I was a slave. But God, by his mighty hand, saved me out of slavery. And he's given us all that we have. I gladly give him the first of, ev- of all my increase. There's a lot of things in my own parenting that I probably wish I would have done differently, but there's one thing I've done that I, I feel good about. <laughs> Just one. And, um, and when our kids got old enough, we gave them three jars. And the first jar, we, we put give. The second jar, we put save. And the third jar, we put spend. And every time they would get money, uh, we put it in denominations of 10, and we would teach them that the first 10 goes to give, the second 10 goes to save, and the 80 goes to um, spend. This works for adults too, by the way. And, um, and they were like cool and they were all excited. I explained why, and I, but I think they really, I think they just like having jars, you know, money kind of clings around in there. They thought it was kind of, I don't know. But there was a day where it came time to like, you know, the money starts building up and we had to give the jar, the give jar filled up. Hey, it's time to give this money. Now, wait a minute, Dad, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing with that? Well, we, we give this. Why do we give this? And, uh, and they're like, do you give this? Like, yes, Mommy and Daddy, at the beginning of every year, we sit down and we decide what we're going to give. We pre-decide. And because here's why. Your mom and your dad used to be slaves. We were slaves to sin and death. But God's mighty hand saved us from sin, the devil, and death. And he's given us everything that we have, including the three of you. We gladly give him the first of all of our increase. Let me ask you a question. What's first in your life? Who are you looking to save you? Who are you looking to redeem you. Whatever is first in your life is your savior. Whatever is first in your life is the one you're looking to bless you. God is the one who owns it all. God is the one who's the author of life. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end. And God wants to bless you if you'll let him.
Don't hold up a barrier. Don't come to him with a closed fist. Come to him with the first of all you have. Come to him with faith and see that he does not pour out blessing from heaven. Why don't we stand?